0: You're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership. Hi everyone, my name is Frank Rock and welcome to the brand new season of the From the Hack Curling Podcast. This week, in part two of our season preview, we welcome two-time Olympic gold medalist Caitlin Longs, 2020 Canadian and World Junior Champion Mackenzie Zacharias, who made an all-timer addition to her team this off-season. And our final guest in part two of the From the Hack season preview is Olympic medalist, curling broadcaster, and the new Executive Director of the Northern Ontario Curling Association, Mike Harris. My first guest in part two of our season preview is Caitlin Laws, who joined me to discuss splitting up with Jennifer Jones after 12 incredible years together about forming a new team. And we also discuss what the season will look like for her new lineup with the recent announcement that Caitlin is expecting her first child in December. Caitlin, before we discuss your new lineup and discuss this new cycle and season, I'd be remiss if I did not ask you about how it felt leaving Team Jones after 12 incredible years where you win just about every title from Slams to Provincials to the Scotties to Worlds and, of course, two trips to the Olympics and that Olympic gold in 2018.
1: Yeah, um, it was 12 incredible years. I mean, the the team basically (laughs) saw me grow up uh, in front of their eyes. I was 21 when I joined the team and... Uh, I learned a lot from playing from Jennifer, Jill, Don, Jocelyn, Lisa. We had a great mix of, of teammates over the years, and it was it was bittersweet, kind of knowing after this Olympic cycle, there was a chance that there could be some changes, and had to do a lot of self reflecting and figure out what personally I wanted to do in curling and in the sport, and what that looked for in the future for for our team. And with Don retiring, it just kind of seemed like the right time to shake things up a little bit and look for something different
0: now typically players on elite teams have a good sense entering the last year of a cycle if the team is likely to stick together or not i'm just wondering if that was the case for your team last year and whether your success at the trials perhaps led to some additional reflection
1: um to be honest i i'm in that group of people who didn't think about the future i really just wanted to be present i wanted to enjoy every moment I had with my teammates and just soak up that Olympic experience. And then once the Olympics was over, that's when the self-reflection kind of started. And yeah, it's it's hard. Change is never easy, but at the same time, a lot of good things can come from change. So didn't make any rash decisions or make any decisions very quickly and uh, just took our time to f- to figure things out. So I'm curious
0: about the process that led to the creation of your new lineup, Uh, Caitlin. Was it a case of you and Jocelyn sitting down and then perhaps identifying players that you might want to play with this season and beyond? Or were you approached by Selena and Kristen uh, to gauge your interest in teaming up with them?
1: Uh, Well, once we had decided to part ways, uh, and I honestly didn't know what anyone was planning on doing. uh, We had just kind of said we were going to try and figure out what we wanted to do individually and go from there so once the team had split up we started to have some conversations uh, with different players and just seeing what everyone else was kind of doing and we didn't know if any teams would be making changes but it turns out almost every team was making a change so um, it was everything just kind of happened organically and really easily uh, had some great conversations with Selena and Kristen and Jocelyn and it just seemed to click right away.
0: Now, Caitlin, some people may have forgotten this, but you were a successful skip in juniors, but that was over a decade ago. So I'm wondering what type of adjustments you started thinking about in your own game over the summer as you looked ahead to this new phase in your career as the skip of a team at the elite level.
1: Yeah, the game has changed a lot since I last skipped, and I've changed a lot as a player. So just trying to figure out what... my strengths are going to be as a skip and figuring out what this team dynamic is, what type of team we are. Um, It's been fun just playing around with a few things and my practices have changed quite a bit from, you know, sweeping every single rock that I threw to now trying out different skip type shots, because there are more position specific shots that I have to focus on. So it's a a learning curve, but it's exciting. I, I like a challenge and I'm excited to, You know, see where I can take it.
0: Now, you obviously knew both Selena and Kristen quite well before they joined your team, having played against them quite a bit on tour over the years. That said, was there something about either of them that may have surprised you when you first got together as a team over the summer and during your early season practice sessions?
1: There hasn't been too many surprises yet. Uh, I mean, I've curled against Selena and Kristen since juniors and haven't really had hadn't really spent a ton of time together with them uh Kristen did join us as an alternate one year at the scotties uh and i have got to know her a bit just for her being jill's niece so that's fun to kind of see it all come full circle and keep it in the family um but they're just really kind genuinely nice people and I, that didn't surprise me but it just been fun getting to know them and they're hilarious uh we honestly don't stop laughing and that light loose energy has been really contagious and really reminded us why we love to play the game and uh I look forward to learning a lot more about them too but they're also fierce competitors and really really hardworking athletes so I'm excited to learn from them as well
0: Now, your first event as a team was an event in Norway a few weeks ago where you reached the final losing to Team Hasselberg of uh, Sweden. I'm assuming that part of the reason why you travelled overseas for your first event together was to create an opportunity for the four of you to bond as a team.
1: Absolutely. Uh, When we were trying to figure out our schedule, it was important to us to try and get some international experience, do some travelling, learn uh, how we travel together and what that dynamic looks like. So once we saw that the oslo uh, cup event was available we we jumped right on that and it was so much fun it was it's so important to build that team dynamic uh, early especially being a new team we're all learning different roles and figuring everybody out so it was just a fun way to start the season no pressure just go out there enjoy experiencing a different culture and play some curling
0: So I just wanted to revisit something we touched on uh, briefly earlier, uh, Caitlin. Uh, How did it feel to be skipping in that first event in Oslo with your new teammates?
1: Uh, It was fun. I enjoyed having a different challenge. Uh, The girls were super supportive and uh, really just gave me all the support that I needed to have confidence on the ice. And uh, I mean, to make a final of our first event together, I thought that was uh, pretty amazing. And We have lots that we can take forward and some things to focus on for the next events, but great start to the season. And I yeah, I had a blast just figuring out uh, what makes our team tick and what kind of game that we want to call and what kind of shots I want to leave myself on for last rock.
0: As most people know, Caitlin, you're expecting your first child. And I was wondering how that might impact your season. Is the schedule and your due date going to allow you to play in most events this season? Or is that still up in the air a little bit at this point in time?
1: uh the plan if all goes well is that i'm going to play till the end of october um i'm due early december so i'd like to stay close to home in november and not travel too much i'll hopefully just be able to practice and stay on the ice and uh cheer on the team so there aren't too many events in november and december which works out well for our schedule so if everything goes as planned um i'll only miss two or three events
0: Now, some teams like to play a reduced schedule in the first year when you cycle, Caitlin, while others like to play more events so that the players can get used to playing together and get used to each other's tendencies, et cetera. Will your team be playing a lighter schedule uh, this season, given your situation, expecting your first child? Or will you be treating it as a normal season from a scheduling perspective?
1: No, we've kind of kept the same schedule. We kind of broke it down based on when the slams are and the bigger events and then tried to fill it in with some of our favorite world curling tour events. Uh, we find that's important to support the smaller ones as well. So uh, we didn't adjust our schedule based on uh, my pregnancy at all. And uh, just kind of worked out that there wasn't that many events to choose from on the calendar in November. So there's only one event that uh, the team signed up to play in November without me. And then uh, there'll be a, a local one in, in Manitoba, Uh, before the the slam in in December, and hopefully I can come back in January.
0: Now, at some point, Caitlin, whether it's at a slam or at a provincials, uh, your team will end up facing Jen Jones and her new team. Are you looking forward to that moment, or will it be one of those uh, bittersweet moments that you would rather avoid, even though that will not be possible, considering that both of you play on teams that should be in the mix at major events this season and moving forward?
1: Yeah, I I think it's always a little strange when you first face uh, former teammates but at the same time we're we're friends Uh, that's never going to change so I think it'll be really fun to be down at the other end with her and I'm sure we'll have some laughs and we'll chat during the game Uh, but we're both competitors so I think it'd be fun to see how we match up against each other and I look forward to getting that chance to play against her new team
0: and finally Caitlin it might be tough for you this year with everything you've got going on but I'm wondering if mixed doubles is still in the cards for you early on in this cycle
1: Uh, Not this season, no. Uh, Between the new team and the uh, baby on the way, I didn't think it'd be uh, possible to mix in some more curling because we're we're pretty busy as it is. So I'm going to take the season off and kind of reassess and see what mixed doubles looks like for me in the future. But love the game. I wish we could do everything. But right now, my priorities are the team and my family.
0: My second guest is Mackenzie Zacharias, who joined me to discuss the process that led to her team joining forces with one of her childhood heroes, six-time Scotty's champion Jennifer Jones. Please note that since recording the interview with Mackenzie, Team Jones has competed in three events, qualifying for the playoffs in each of those events, including a win over Team Holman in the final of an event in Edmonton. So, Mackenzie, I want to start by taking it back to last season. I don't recall if this was said officially or if it was just mentioned in conversation. But as last season neared its end, many people did not expect your team to make any lineup adjustments heading into this new cycle. Then came the announcement that the four of you would be forming a new five-person team with Jennifer Jones. Can you take us back to last season and share how those discussions evolved?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like all of us, uh, we all had a really good three years together. I think we had been together at that point. Um, so. After that, we had kind of thought we just started women's play. We were kind of on a roll. We were working our way up in the rankings. So why stop? Um, so we had all kind of kind of just like knew that we were going to be playing together for the next quarter, at least the next couple of years. That was the plan. We really enjoyed playing together. We're good friends. So it just made sense. Um, and then te- teams started to change a little bit. And uh, we saw different teams breaking up. Uh, the news kind of came across about that. And then Jen did. She... She contacted Carly first about kind of like what our team's plans were for next year um, and kind of like if we were sticking together, like what we were thinking of doing. And then they had kind of gotten on the topic of discussing a five-person team and what that would look like because Carly had said that our team was kind of thinking of sticking together. Uh, So Jen and Carly got talking about that a little bit. They roped in the rest of us. We had a good number of chats about that as well and what it might look like. Um, And then we decided in the end that it was probably the best for all of us moving forward. I mean, the four of us getting the chance to learn from Jen, like just me as a skip as well, the chance to learn from the best player to ever play the game, like that opportunity doesn't come very often. So um, that was kind of a no brainer for me. And then for the rest of the girls as well, just gaining that experience from Jen playing, maybe a couple of different positions, kind of opening up our perspective on the game that way and just getting to work with a lot of different people that Jen was connected to as well. Kind of just like set in stone that this was the right plan, the right idea. And then after we met Jen as well, um, for the first time, it just kind of all came together in one place and we all got along really well and we could kind of see that our personalities were gonna mesh. And um, yeah, so we just, we all decided to play together and that's kind of where we're at now. So we've been practicing all summer and we'll see what happens this season.
0: So, Mackenzie, I'm just wondering how you reacted when Carly first told you that Jen Jones had contacted her about the possibility of creating a new team with all of you. Did you think Carly was joking at first? Because, as you mentioned, getting to play with one of, if not the best women's player ever doesn't come around very often. So it must have been a pleasant surprise when you first heard from Carly that Jennifer Jones was interested in perhaps joining forces with your team.
2: Yeah. So, um, like one of the big question marks with that was, is like, if I would be willing to step down from that skip position for a little bit for Jen to kind of take over. Uh, so Carly did reach out to me and just kind of said that, Hey, like Jen's been talking to me, is this something that you would be willing to do for the team? And, um, she's like, Jen wants to have a call with you. Like you'll get to talk to her. It'll be all good. And, um, yeah. So then I talked to Jen or me and Carly both did over the phone and that first conversation kind of just solidified the decision for me, um, just gaining her understanding about how she wanted it to work and kind of her way, of, like giving back to the sport as well. Um, Cause like, it's everyone knows that we're a little bit younger than Jen. So her way of kind of giving back to us and then also us being able to help her hopefully accomplish and get a few more wins under her belt.
0: So, Mackenzie, before joining forces with Jen, I think it's fair to say that your team was viewed by many as one of the good young women's teams in the world with all kinds of potential. However, I think the expectations placed on your team grew exponentially the moment you accepted to join forces with Jen. How did the four of you go about processing that once you accepted to play with Jen? Because now you're going to make your first real forays into the top tier of the women's game with a much bigger spotlight on the team than there would have been without Jen.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of like eye-opening conversations definitely when we first started talking with Jen. Just like all of us being only in like our first kind of second year of women's play. Like my sister was still a junior last year, right? So um, this was all very new, all of this information and kind of like what needed to take place for the curling season to happen at that level this coming year. Uh, but it was all also super exciting because this is what we all want. Um, like last season we worked – so hard all year we played nearly every weekend just to get ourselves into one slam at the end of the year so now to have the realization that hopefully we're going to be or we should be in all the slams this coming season and hopefully a couple other big events um, that's that's just where we want to be so it wasn't really nerve-wracking or we don't really feel like there's like I, I mean there's more expectation on us now but we don't really take it in that sense we think of it more as like this is where we want to be. So now we're going to have to compete at this level because we're playing against all these amazing teams, but that's exactly what we want. And we're all ready to kind of rise to that occasion and put in that work that's needed to play against these fantastic teams week after week. And I think honestly, like we're just excited to have the opportunity to do that. And um, we're doing everything we can to put ourselves in a position to be one of the best teams out there.
0: When you and I first chatted a couple of years ago, Mackenzie, you mentioned that Jen was one of the players that you really looked up to. There's an old saying that sometimes it's not good to meet your idols because they often disappoint. Now, obviously, you knew Jen a little bit before joining forces with her, but I'm wondering if there is something about Jen that surprised you as you were working through the process of putting the team together.
2: Yeah, um, I don't know if this necessarily surprised me, but after the first time talking with her, um, I had never, ever talked to a person before talking with Jen, who had such a passion for the game. I think that's really what inspired me the most when I met her for the first time. She just talked about a, the game in a way that I've never heard anyone talk about it before. And just, you could just tell how much she loves the game of curling and you could see it in her face when she talks about it too. And honestly, just being able to be a part of that now um, is, it's a dream, like <laughs> I say it all the time, but it's its a dream come true, right? Uh, to not only play with someone I looked up to when I was little, but now be on that team and they're an incredible person so I'm just very excited to not only be able to call them one of my heroes but to be able to call Jen my teammate now too.
0: And finally Mackenzie you've mentioned playing as a five-person team this season and I'm wondering if Jen is committed to playing all the events with the four of you taking turns filling out the other positions or is that still a fluid situation as we speak?
2: Yeah so we're still working out all the kinks I think that'll come together with our first couple of events uh, when it comes to lineup But the plan is to have Jen play most of the events. Um, Obviously, like if she can't make it or if like if anyone can't make it, we'll kind of fill in the spots where need be. Like I might go in a skip sometimes. I might also be sitting sometimes. I may be playing third or second. Uh, We're going to kind of feel it out as we go. Um, I think we have an idea of how we want to start and then we'll kind of feel it out from there. But everyone's going to be playing regularly too. That's the plan. Um, The goal is to have everyone be being able to play the best that they can at their position and maybe a different positions during the season as well. But we'll kind of feel it out after the first event. If the, the lineup that we have right now is going to work the way that we want it to, and then we'll reevaluate, but we're all super committed to just making the team the best uh, that we possibly can, uh, which has been super thrilling working with these girls is everyone, everyone's hundred percent a teammate and not an individual. So uh, that's been really great so far so I'm looking forward to seeing how the lineup kind of shifts throughout the year um, but I think we kind of have a solid idea of how we want it to look and I'm going to leave that a bit as a surprise.
0: <laughs> My final guest this week is a familiar voice to those that have listened to the From the Hack season preview over the years. Mike Harris is back for a seventh consecutive year to provide his insights into what should be an interesting first year of this new Olympic cycle. So, Mike, you're best known as an Olympic medalist, of course, and also as a member of the broadcast crew for Sportsnet's coverage of the Grand Slam of Curling. However, you recently added a new title to your resume: executive director of the Northern Ontario Curling Association, which is an area close to my heart, as you know. Can you walk us through the process that led you to decide that you wanted to get involved in curling at the administrative level?
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I've been I've been really lucky in my in my career that I've always been able to kind of find a way to make a living pursuing sports. So, you know, obviously started as a PGA professional and then uh, more recently in the last 10 years or so, just trying to focus on, on the curling side. So um, yeah, I don't know what the, I saw the, I saw the posting come up and, and um, I don't know where it was, maybe on curling.ca or something. And uh, anyway, I just thought that would be an interesting opportunity for me to, to, they learn more about our sport. I mean, how it's administered and all that. And and I know a lot about it. So let's not let's let's uh, be clear. But I think I think the important thing for me was maybe having a chance to have an impact on on maybe some something some things that are going to happen in the future. And although it's Northern Ontario, I am a long time Ontario resident, and uh, I do really appreciate the kind of the role that Northern Ontario plays in the curling Canada landscape. You know, and there's always been a lot of uh, uh controversy is the wrong word but there's always a debate how come ontario has two provinces or two two teams at the at the national championships, that type of thing so i think that all that stuff has been put to to rest now with the with the new format from curling canvas so i just thought it'd be a great way to to kind of get involved in the sport uh kind of on another level yeah and i'm excited i think it's it's a great opportunity to to say to have a have a little bit of an impact on on uh the way the game is is uh managed and also maybe bring some new ideas into what is you know everything well established uh protocols and and things that are in place already at curling canada so yeah combination of those two things and and uh I also needed a job, let's go, <laughs> let's, uh, you know, broadcasting is great, and I've enjoyed, and I do enjoy it, and I'm, and I'm continuing to broadcast, that's part of anyone's wondering, I, I am continuing to work for Sportsnet, that was part of my uh, deal with uh, the NOCA, and, and I and I got the blessing of my bosses at, the, at Sportsnet as well, was, and I said, if I take this job, do you see any conflict, and they were, they were fine with it, so. And you know, sportsnet really only does six weeks a year. So, so yeah, so so in combination with the with the broadcasting and and now as this, uh, it's an impressive business card. It's an executive director of the Northern Ontario Curling Association. That's a mouthful for sure. But uh, in this new role, I as I said, I'm excited to kind of uh, have a daily opportunity to get to stay involved in the sport as opposed to kind of fleeting, you know, six weekends a year type of thing. So, yeah, I'm I, I can't wait. I can't wait to get started.
0: So, Mike, let's jump right into it now. Uh, There was a handful of retirements from the sport of curling over the past year or so, and what got the attention of many people is that most of them were still young, at least from a curling perspective. Eve Muirhead, Elena Stern, Joanne Courtney, Brad Jacobs, and a few others who either retired outright or decided to step away from the sport for a period of time. Has curling gotten to a point, Mike, where the physical grind of competing at the elite level has gotten to be too much, considering the limited or at least often inconsistent resources or monies that a player can win playing the sport at the elite level
3: yeah i think you make a good point in that the yeah the financial reward certainly isn't there although you know when you speak about eve Muirhead, i suspect and i can't confirm this but i suspect Eve's going to have a lot of opportunities open up to her um after winning the gold medal so um but then and joanne courtney you know I, i think there's always a story behind why people leave the game right i think and, and in the interest of curling, where everyone is so uh, nice to each other and, it, and the fact that it's, as you say, it's, it's kind of an amateur sport at this point, there's no official reasons given for any type of person leaving. Uh, you know, Elena Stern and Joanne and, and uh, Eve, I think, all had very different reasons for leaving um, on the women's side. And, and like I said, I, I think to your uh, another good point you're making is that the wear and tear on the body, certainly is different than it was for, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm back in the Jeff Stouden Kevin Martin, Glenn Howard, uh, era, you know, and, you know, guys like myself who, you know, we, we all kind of played late into our, into our forties. And Glenn is like, and Glenn's continuing to play. I think those days are just numbered. Like the, you know, Kevin's had his hip replaced and I think a lot and Eve's had hip surgery already. And so the number of rocks that Eve has thrown at, at a young age really is, is, um, different i suppose and than when you know we always used to think that uh, you know there's certain people you need practice all the time but uh and kevin being one of those people but your joints just can't take it for for that long so yeah it, I, it is a little concern if there was more money would they stay longer uh probably i think would be the, the right answer i think if it, um, i said um i i do agree with you there but i you know i think we've always continued to try to grow that side of the sport um, now having said that the purses we're playing for now aren't that much different than the purses we're playing for in the you know, the seventies even. Some some spiels in the 70s there were car steals for you know, you win four cars which are worth thirty grand at that time. So, you know, the, the fact that thirty thousand dollar first place paycheck hasn't changed all that much, uh, in in the forty years since I've been playing. It's uh, that part's a little bit concerning. But there is more opportunity for the athletes to, to make money, uh, through endorsements and you know, you watch their logos that they're, they're allowed to wear at the Grand Summerfront. So some teams do very well. Um, Jennifer Jones, case in point that you mentioned, you know, still playing, you know, I know that she does well with her, with all of her sponsors and, uh, and then certainly a good reason for her to keep playing. So um, it's kind of a chicken versus the egg, I suppose, Frank, where it's uh, you, you don't, in curling problems, you don't really have the opportunity to make any money from sponsors until you actually win something, but <laughs> It costs a lot more money when you're younger to keep playing and so yeah, there's there it's it's uh it's a business model that uh, I think, you know, all of the athletes have been trying to change since well gosh, go back to the seventies since Ed Wernick and Paul Savage and all those guys back in the in the late seventies, early eighties were trying to change. So
0: as happens at the end of every cycle or every curling cycle, uh, Mike, there was a significant turnover on teams across Canada and in other countries as well in this offseason. season And I wanted to talk about a few of the new lineups that garnered a lot of attention across the curling community, at least here in Canada. Let's start with Kevin Cooey joining forces with Tyler Tardy, who is one of the more accomplished junior curlers in Canadian history, having won three straight Canadian Junior Championships and two straight World Juniors. What do you make of that pairing along with their front end of Brad Thiessen and Karen? martin who previously played with Brendan botcher
3: yeah i think first of all they've got a great front end so they're there's uh, great sweepers uh so that's that's half about it. yeah the, the real question mark on that team is tyler uh no question uh talent of course uh but it takes a while to learn the the finesse points at the top level but tyler's tyler's as i said he said success you know maybe unparalleled success in canadian junior curling anyway um uh, so you know, come he comes in with great pedigree. He's uh, had a little taste of the slams and high end stuff over the last few years, uh, playing you know, with different teams and kind of super spare and and that sort of thing. So yeah, I think he he can't have a better guy to learn from than Kevin Cuey. You know, Kevin, you know he's the type of skip that can just win games by himself when he's when he's on fire. So um, you know, the, the the dynamic with Kevin being. Uh, Rather quiet. Actually, he's got a very quiet team. I think it gives Tyler an opportunity to really, um, you know, become a become a top top level third. You know, he should be able to contribute a little bit with with Cooey when it comes to strategy and shot preference and that type of stuff. Because you know, as I said, with uh, with Botry's old front end there, with uh, Martin and Beast in the front, they're pretty quiet guys, and and. Uh, yeah, I like I like the team. I think, uh, you know, they've said Tyler's – and, you know, you know Kevin Cooley's going to win something somewhere. He's just so good, right? So uh, they'll probably win a Breyer in the next couple of years, and, and uh, that'll be all good. So –
0: So, Mike, one of the things I found interesting this offseason is how a few Canadian players who recently had a lot of success at the junior level, such as Tyler Tardy, Mackenzie Zacharias, and Carly Burgess, have joined forces with some of Canada's best-known and most accomplished skips in uh, Kevin Cooey and Jennifer Jones, which will certainly be beneficial to these young curlers. However, it does bring up an interesting question. In other countries, in part because of a lack of depth, I understand that, young players get a chance to compete at the elite level much more quickly than they seem to uh, in Canada. Do you view that as a concern for Canadian curling, that young curlers, specifically the ones that have a lot of potential, that have done very well in juniors, uh, tend not to get their chance to skip at the elite level in Canada until their late 20s, early 30s? Now, there are exceptions, of course, Matt Dunstone, Brendan Botcher, Rachel Holman, among others. But generally speaking, players from Canada who do really well in juniors tend to have to work their way up until they can get to a point where they will skip at the elite level on the World Curling Tour or in playdowns in Canada. So I'm just wondering if that's a concern for you uh, moving forward, even though it's been kind of the way it's been happening in Canada for the better part of a half century.
3: Uh, no, I think that's fair. I think um, the challenge the challenge in Canada, it's, you know, it's, it, it's always kind of a double-edged sword, right? The depth that we have is great, but it doesn't allow the young team's uh, early success. And, and then when they do get to the world, they're playing against teams that have been to the world numerous times. So there's, there's a whole other uh, pressure there um, on them when they rep- start representing Canada internationally. You know, you, you know you may never get to go again. So there's, there's an added, added uh, kind of an intrinsic pressure there. Um, what's the solution? I actually don't really know. I don't know that selecting a team is better. We've tried that over the years. You know, just kind of something that can't curl in Canada and the athletes just kind of have to deal with it. You know, if, if you're if you're good enough and you're kind of a young phenom like Tyler Tardy is, um, you go play for one of the top veterans. I, let's go back to Wayne Madaw and, you know, arguably uh, out of, in Ontario anyway, certainly the best talent coming out of juniors that people have seen for years. We were about a year apart, but, you know, he was always the team that was favored to win stuff end up losing the Canadian junior final way back. And instead of kinda of going out of his own and skipping, he went and played for Russ Howard for two or three, four years, right? To, until he learned how to play the game. And then once he figured to hit those those days they won his he won his bryan world title with them. And then he kinda of stepped out on his own and everyone was shocked if you remember that when that happened, what are you doing leaving Russ Howard? And then he goes on and wins whatever he, everything else on his own. So um you know when you're when you're a phenomenal talent like that, like Wayne it, uh, I was going to say was, but is, um, and Tyler Tardy is, you know, you've got an opportunity to, to play with a veteran skip. I think it's a good idea. So, um, does it work against you? Maybe, but you know, I said, if they're good enough, they'll, they'll, they'll have success on their way through, you know, world championships and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I think, I think at the end of the day, the young curlers in Canada, it's difficult. Because of the depth, yes. But does it make them better? Probably. You know, I think it makes them gotcha. more prepared when they get to, a, to an international event.
0: I mentioned Jennifer Jones joining forces with uh, Team Zacharias a little earlier, Mike. What do you think of that combination? How invaluable will it be for a young team to learn from arguably the best women's player ever as they work their way through their first, Oli- their first full Olympic cycle?
3: Yeah, well, I think exactly the same way we are talking about Tyler Tardy joining Kevin Cooley. I mean, you know, M- and McKenzie got the call I don't know the sequence of events exactly, but let's say Mackenzie gets a call from Jennifer Jones. Would you be interested in in collaborating? I'll, I'll use that word as as a as a team, as a fivesome, um, or would you rather not? I think if it's pretty easy choice for for Zacharias. I think in that, yeah, let's hey, let's bring Jen in and and learn as much as we possibly can from the best ever to play the game and on the on the women's side. So uh, I think it's a great opportunity for them now. How you know, there's lots of teams that have also made the choices not to do that. I mean, uh, you know, I, I can I'll go just by my own personal. I was coming out of juniors. You know, we won Ontario Junior and had a you know we thought we were pretty good, and we just decided to give it a go on our own, right? Like let's listen, let's just go out and and learn by by playing the top team. So every every team has a choice to make about how they approach things, and a little bit like you're mentioning about how some some athletes seem to get lost coming out of juniors. It really takes a lot of dedication and a lot of acceptance of of where you are in the curling world to, to to understand that when you just come out of juniors the only way to live, get better is to start keep playing against all the top teams and and you know it, it's expensive it costs money and and all these things i mean we had a sponsor i remember the way this is going on going off the left turn here but we we the first couple sponsors we had we had 100% payback with the sponsors so we were we were getting like 10,000 dollars from different sponsors and then they were giving them half of our paycheck that we wanted the bond sale back until we paid them back all of their money. So think about that for a second. But it was, for us, it was like a $10,000 guarantee that if we didn't qualify or didn't win a penny, we weren't going to be out of pocket so much. So for, for for young teams coming out, when you've got a choice, hey, do I play with Jennifer Jones or do I try to slug it out on my own here and, you know, have minimal sponsors and I think it's a pretty easy answer. And, and I think it worked. If there's multiple benefits to it for Zacharias, obviously. And there is for Jennifer Jones too. Listen, she's, she's, she's got a team that has immense amount of talent. Um, they're going to win games because they are now calling a better game. They've got some great shot makers. So yeah, there's, there's multiple benefits for both sides of, of, of that team. I say both sides like Jen and the, and the four youngsters on the team. Um so yeah, I like I like the team. I think it's, it's it was surprising, but it's kind of just thinking outside the box, right? I think that's what that's what uh, that's what I like about it actually. They're kind of kind of gone down a new path and and uh, yeah, I, I wish them all the success in the world. it's a proven formula, it's worked in the past, you know, Randy Furby with three young guys, Russ Howard jumping onto Brad Gushu's team back when they won the gold medal. That 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 changed the course of Team Gushu's career. I, I, I think it made it made it their rise even more they rose even more quickly with uh, after learning you know strategy and stuff from ross so yeah, there's, there's lots of benefits to, to everyone.
0: Speaking of younger players, uh, Mike, uh, let's move on to a region that is now much closer to your heart. Northern Ontario, where another curler with a solid uh, junior pedigree, Tanner Horgan and his brother Jacob, have joined forces with veterans uh, Darren Moulding and Colin Hodgson. So what do you make of this new team uh, pairing some youngsters with some veterans? And uh, how do you think that's going to work out uh, early on in this cycle moving forward uh, over the next few seasons?
3: right well I, I, again they're they've got a great opportunity now with kind of the the split up from team jacobs to go to to few to briars and and whatnot right so that's a great that that that's a i I like the idea of them uh bringing in uh molding and Colin you're not going to meet two more positive people in the world than Colin Hodgson and Darren molding. They are great teammates they are uh you know supportive they're uh informative they're uh constructive with all the stuff they bring to the team to their teams on the ice. So I think they've got a great chance to to do some great things. And, and uh, Tanner, I, I've spoken with Tanner, I curled against Tanner a few years ago and down at the Royals. Um, and I just, you know, he, he understands the game really, really well. Um, and he's going to have a team that really is going to support him and, and allow him to kind of go with his, 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 uh, his instincts out on the ice. So, yeah, I mean, He's, I think he's done really well. He's got himself a great team. So, you know, I think he's got, uh, said phenomenal sweeper in, in Colin and he'll be able to teach to throw the, the other frontender, um, Jacob. everything they need to know. Jacob. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Darren Molding said, uh, won a briar like a couple of years ago.
0: Now heading into the cycle Mike A few people have indicated to me That there is a concern that Canada Is getting increasingly top heavy On the men's side As recently as four or five years ago It seems there were eight or nine teams in Canada That were ranked in the top ten Maybe of the uh, men's world rankings And uh, that could be competitive If they ever won a briar And represented Canada at a world championships And many people don't think that's the case anymore Should that be a concern for Canadian curling fans Or is it simply a sign of the times Where we will increasingly see the the country's top players figure out a way to join forces on three or four different teams and fight it out for the top prizes in the country during each cycle?
3: I don't, I don't think it's new. I don't think it's a new thing that there's only two or three teams in the country that um, can compete at the world, world level. I think that the challenge it's, it's, it's multifaceted one, all the teams are better now. Right. So that's, that's the days of going to a world championship and having, You know three or four teams that you know you don't have to play well against those days are gone you know every every team at a world championship now they're so technically good and they the advantage for most other countries is as they say they know they're going to the world so they're 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 uber prepared when they get to a world championship you know you can go back you know it's been gushu botcher kui and how many i saw a stat how many of the last briar finals it was like seven or eight no one no no one else had made a briar final other than those teams but then you look at guys like Matt Dunstone and, and uh, you know, Tanner and all these, there's a bunch of young teams that are, are trying to make their way through. Honestly, if you had to pick a team now to go to a world championship, there's only one. It's Gushu, right? <laughs> like, that's, uh, I mean, you got Botcher who totally mixed up their team. Cooey with Tardy at third and they've totally mixed up their team. So, you know, if you had to pick. At the start of this season, you, you would only ever really send Brad off to, off to, off to a championship of, of any significance coming up. And in fact, were they not named the team that's going to Calgary? To yeah, yeah absolutely. They're, uh, right. they're, they're so playing, they're,
0: they're playing in the Pan Continental Championship. Yeah. You have
3: to send, you have to send that team to the, to, to represent the country at the moment. So it's not that much different, I would say. Um, you know, the, and then teams, you know, in 10, like I said, teams four through 10. You know, throw them in the hat, whoever those teams are. Those teams would always have a chance at the world championship, going in and and playing well and and winning a share of games, and, and then you just got to win the playoffs, right? That's, that's that's what we've seen is the hard thing to do for Canadian teams over the last uh, the last number of years at the world Championships to win those two games in in the playoffs, semis in the finals. So, yeah, I, I just think I think it's I think it's healthy to have teams that are just playing unbelievable level of play, like Jacobs you know, that, that Briar excuse me, the trial final, I mean, Gushu did not give him a, sh- a, a chance to breathe in that game, he basically curled a perfect game. You know, this is what we're seeing at the very top level now. Adeen did the same thing to Gushu in the Olympic semifinal, you know, and Adeen did it again to to, to Mowat in the Olympic final. So the, 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 the level required to be at the very, very top right now is just so, so high. You cannot be missing any makeable shots uh, or the game's over. So, um, I like the fact that the, the level of play has gone up. I like the fact that, you know, the Cuis, Tardis, Boxer combination done. So all these guys have a chance to take their game to a level. And I think there's a lot of work being done, hard work being done. But I, it's not that shocking to me that they said there's, there's you know, call it three or four teams at the very, very top level who who uh, are the only ones you'd be interested in sending. That really has never, never been that much different over the years, to be honest.
0: Starting with the men's side, Mike, uh, which new team are you most interested in watching early on this season to see how they evolve?
3: Yeah, I mean they're all interesting to me. I mean, you look at uh, the Botcher dynamic. That's like the super team, right? With with Kennedy and Gallant and Hebert. I mean, the three you could you could have argued those three players that third, second, and lead have been the best at their positions for the last ten years. I mean, there's no lack of talent no lack of uh, dynamic the question for botcher as we found out when pat simmons played for him is that will he take feedback from players like that on his team um or does he just kind of like march into the beat of his own drum? I think. i think at the end of the day brendan's become you know again one of the very very best skips in the world maybe the one the one little downfall was he was kind of difficult to he kind of always want to do things his own way but i actually respect that a ton i think that's a great thing so but you've got three guys who are very vocal right especially when you think of i just think of the interaction with gallant and gushu right gallant was always at the far end watching what's going on observing a lot of the time but ready to chime in whenever possible and then you know you know the the counter to that would have been botcher's old front end who just kind of stood at the other end and let brennan do what he wanted and he had Yes, man, Darren Molding put the broom down and that was it, right? That was kind of a, so the, the, how the dynamic of that team works is really super interesting to me, but I think their talent will win them a ton of games. Like, you know, there's no, there's no real downside there. So, you know, EJ, I think EJ Harn is going to fit in pretty seamlessly with, with team Gushu. Um, again, you could have, you couldn't have picked a better replacement for Brecht Galant, in my opinion. And then you've got, uh, they said the Kui Tardi group with, uh, again, ton of front, ton of front end experience. I think the front end with, martin and Thiessen along with kevin Kuei, i think that's a really good kind of blend of personalities right they're all just kind of the like-minded and tyler kind of is the question mark there so yeah there's lots of teams i'm excited to watch Dunstone loved Dunstone's new team as well um tanner horgan's got an exciting new team so um yeah there's all kinds of there's all kinds of uh, reasons to watch uh, watch curling this year
0: how about on the women's side mike uh, which teams will you be keeping an eye on early this season
3: yeah, I mean, Caitlin Law's team is obviously uh, talented as well. But Caitlin just announced she's pregnant, so she's—I think she's due in December. So they're going to have a, the, I you know, we'll give them until you know next year <laughs> to really kind of show. Uh, I think they're committed to the four-year cycle. So I think with with let uh, so with Caitlin's pregnancy, I think that's whatever happens with them is great. Um, but you know, it'll be interesting to see next season more as the way to go. And then with Jenna, Jen and Zacharias, like same thing. I, I'm excited to see how, how are they going to, how are they going to rotate? I can't imagine Jen sitting out very many games or Carly. <laughs> She's so good, but you know, that, but I think the big one everyone's waiting for is the home and flurry. dynamic, right? I think that's the one that, that has most people in the country, um, intrigued, excited, see how things are going to work out. Rachel still throwing last rock. You know, with Tracy calling the game, you know, I don't see it changing a whole lot in team, in terms of how teams play against Team Holman slash Flory. You know, the, the last few years, everyone's tried to make Rachel draw at the end, and that was that's not going to change. So, you know, I, 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 I and I'm super impressed, actually. I've been watching uh, Emma work out all summer on social media. Like, she, like, seems super ready to play front end um, and has embraced the challenge with uh, Sarah Wilkes. So, again, tons of talent on this team everyone's just waiting to see how the dynamic is with Tracy, who's so, you know, we, we think, think of Tracy as kind of a quiet leader. Um, you know, how is she going to fit into the dynamic of the other three? Right. That's, that's my the thing I'm looking forward to the most. And, and, you know, Emma, Emma's never played anything but third. So, um, but she, I think she's going to be an awesome second. I think, mean, you know, she's just a, such a great hitter. So um, yeah, that's, that's the one, that's the one i I'm, I'm, Can't wait to watch the most. And, you know, listen, they're all chasing Kerry Anderson.
0: As mentioned earlier, Mike, you've been involved in the sport at different levels over the years, including as a player, a coach in Europe, as a broadcaster, and shortly as an administrator. There are a lot of things that I know many players would like to see addressed, and that might be easier to address if there were a players association in place. I don't want to belabor the association question because I think it's a work in progress, but what do you make of the fact that so many of the elite players seem to be surprised when the World Curling Federation recently announced changes to how ranking points will be distributed moving forward? from the comments i read on social media it certainly sounded like the players were not very involved in the process even though they're the ones most impacted by changes to the ranking system
3: yeah no i haven't heard much about the Players association beyond the rumors that were going around last year with sefki being involved and, and a bunch of others um you know as far as the new uh, ranking changes uh WCF came out and said the, the players uh council or advisory council was involved in in it and um you know the, the challenge for many Canadian curlers is that it's now a global game, right? So you know you're having people on that on that advisory council, or I think there are jail Officers on the council, I believe, and Murdoch and a couple of others. But a lot of a lot of it is based on international wishes and desires and how the team ranking systems work. And 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 yeah, I, I I don't think that's that's a revolutionary thing. I mean, you want might want more points for certain things, but I just saw the slams have quite a high point value, um, you know, comparable to Europeans and, and and all that. So I think they've kind of done a decent job at, at, at addressing the point changes. I think I, I think it's okay um, where the Players Association stands on things like cresting and, and uh, you know, dollar values and prizes. And, and all. there's a lot of things that the Players Association get involved in. Um, the CTRS, how the CTRS is, is called World <laughs> Ranking System, WTRS, uh, system is, is, is how the points are allocated is kind of small potatoes on the on the in the big picture right you still have to win and as long as you're winning your of games you're going to get your you're going to get your, your points but
0: and uh, finally mike having you on the from the hack season preview has become a yearly tradition for me and uh, usually we finish the interview by uh, asking or discussing the same question where i ask you one issue or one area in the sport of curling that might not be on everyone's radar right now that you're keeping an eye on as we enter this new cycle and that may become a bigger story as we move along
3: yeah i just think yeah, there's 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 a few things one is just obviously keep an eye on all the new teams and how their dynamic is starting to play out uh, it wouldn't be unusual for you know a few of these teams to make one or two player changes you know as early we saw as early as you know Christmas sometime so I'll predict one of the teams will have a, have a change by Christmas I'm not sure which one it'll be but I'm not, I'm not going to go that far but um, and the other thing is just again the the with the retirement uh, of a number of players it's just we get a chance to see some new faces so I think that's 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 exciting there was rumor of another sweeping summit coming up they're talking about foam density and all that sort of stuff wCF was was going to do that so um, keep an eye out for, for news from that but yeah. Otherwise, you know, it's start of, a, start of a, a cycle that seemed to have a lot more changes this cycle than we've seen in many years past and including some of the international teams, you know, the Mowats and the Deans, they stuck together. But, uh, I saw today, uh, team Hasselborg has not to retain Wayne Madad moving forward with their, with their team. So, and, uh, I think one of their players, Sarah McManus is pregnant as well. So lots of some changes internationally, but, uh, yeah, lots, lots of great stuff to look forward to. And, uh, You know when we got it all started up in North Bay, first slam of the year coming up to 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 my neck of the woods now, Frank.
0: (laughs) And that does it for part two of the From the Hack season preview. A big thank you to Caitlin Laws, Mackenzie Zacharias, and Mike Harris. Also, don't forget to check out our partners and friends in the Curling Podcast Network, the Two Girls in the Game Podcast, and the Curling Legends Podcast. I'm Frank Rock, and you're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership.